Welcome to The Leader's Notebook with Dr. Mark Rutland. Dr. Rutland is a world-renowned leadership expert. He is a New York Times best-selling author, and he has served as the president of two universities. The Leader's Notebook is brought to you by Global Servants. For more information about Global Servants, please visit our website, globalservants.org. Here is your host, Dr. Mark Rutland. It seems like human beings just seem to be born full of questions. In fact, having raised three little human beings myself, I can tell you that the child is full of questions. What about God's questions? Who does he ask? Hello, I'm Mark Rutland, and this is The Leader's Notebook. I'm doing a series right now, and I'm glad you've joined me for this episode of questions that God asks in the Bible. This is a very different series for me. I've done series on business, on leadership, on, on ministry, on uh, books. Uh, I've interviewed some of America's leaders, and I love all that. But this series is going to be different. These are short, fast, just a thought on questions that God asks in the Bible. I hope it challenges you. I hope it blesses you. And I hope you enjoy it. Last week, we talked about God's question to Adam after he and his wife Eve had eaten of the tree that was in the midst of the garden. God said, where art thou? There was this sense of separation. He also asked, who told thee that thou was naked? In other words, separation from God and shame in God's presence. And then we talked about the fact that God resolves both separation and shame through our Lord Jesus Christ, through his shed blood and sacrifice. That is to say, through him, we are reunited with God, and through him, our shame is removed. Now we come to the second set of questions that God asks, also still in Genesis. We'll be moving on through Scripture, not going to stay the whole time in Genesis. But today, we're going to be dealing with the second set of questions that God asks Adam in Genesis. So following up with right where he says, where art thou? Adam says, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and hid myself. Then God asks, who told thee that thou was naked? And that's where we ended last week. Listen to the next question. Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldst not eat? So straight away, God gets right down to brass tacks. He asks him, have you eaten of the tree? Of course, God knows. Why does he ask Adam a question about sin to which God already knows the answer? It is to give Adam the opportunity to confess. When God confronts us about a sin, it's not to wound us, it is to heal us. When God probes us deeply and conviction springs up within us over something that we've done, it is to cause us to confess and repent and receive his forgiveness. He says, he doesn't just say, I think you've done something bad. Listen to what he says. Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldst not eat? So he invites Adam to confess a specific sin. Let me just tell you something that is very, very important here. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. He makes accusations, and his accusations are often broad and dark. 
not specific things. Satan does not want us to come under conviction about a specific sin. He wants us to come under condemnation about an area of life and who we are. So Satan, the voice of Satan says, you're evil. The voice of Satan says, you're shameful, you're wicked, you've done everything monstrous. The voice of God says, tell me exactly what you've done. Let's deal with this as a sin. Have you eaten of the tree that I commanded you not to eat? He deals with that specific sin. Then the man says, the woman whom thou gave to me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. Now listen to, listen to man's answer. It's so, it's so like us. First of all, he blames the woman. Did you eat of the tree? He says, the woman. <laughs> and then he says, whom you gave me. So first of all, he spreads the blame out rather than taking it himself. He lays the heart of the blame on his wife and then the rest of the blame on God. Everything was all right in this garden when it was just me and the chimpanzees. When you sent this woman, you made the decision to send the woman. So the woman is the problem and you are the source of the problem. Listen to how God answers. And the Lord God said unto the woman, what is this that thou hast done? Now, God is not dealing just with specific sin, but with the implications of sin. Do you ever come into a, a room where there's been a horrible mess? Your child has spilled uh, water paint all over the floor or something horrible's happened. One of the kids has taken a pair of scissors and cut the other one's hair off or something. And you make this rhetorical question, what have you done? That's the character and nature of God's question there. In other words, what he's saying with the question is a statement. You have no idea of the, the broad and terrible implications of your sin. It's a grieved question. It's a grieved question. God is saying, oh, what have you done? There are consequences to sin. Destructiveness, separation, Loneliness, fear, we talked about it last week. But the worst and most unimaginable consequence of the sin of Adam and Eve, something they never could have contemplated because they had never experienced it before. They were banished from the Garden of Eden and established at the doorway of the Garden of Eden, placed there. God drove the man and the woman out of the garden. He placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubim, these massive angelic beings. And they had flaming swords in their hands, which turned every way, meaning no matter what way, no matter what direction you approach Eden from, you'll never get back in again. It's a supernatural angelic barrier that is of your own creation, God says. You cause this. So the consequences of sin are destructiveness, separation. Eden is now closed to us. So think about these two things. First of all, God confronts us with pinpoint accuracy. God doesn't use a shotgun. He uses a scalpel. And he says, have you done this? When we are convicted, it is for specific sins. When we are condemned, it is a satanic attack on us to make us believe we are bad people, hopeless people, helpless people. God convicts, Satan condemns. 
when that conviction comes and we feel that grief, that wound, what have you done? We answer, I've sinned or I've fallen or I've failed or I've sinned again or I've sinned again and again and again and again. We are dealing with God as he wants us to deal with him on specific issues. You cannot confess to God, I'm an evil person. What you can confess to God is, I have done an evil thing. What is God's answer? Paul writes about it in 1 Corinthians. He says, the first Adam, that Adam in the Garden of Eden, brought death into the human race. But he said, then there came this second Adam, namely Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and he brought life. The first Adam, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, was a living being. He was himself alive, but he died. But the second Adam, Jesus, makes us alive so that we will never die. The first Adam was earthy. He was of the earth, sensual, uh, dwelt under the dominion of his appetites. He was earthy. The second Adam was spiritual, and he wants to bring us into the relationship to be sons of God, the children of God. So the first Adam brought death. The second Adam brings life. The first Adam brought the conclusion of the Edenic story, the terrible moment where the gates are barred shut and those angels are there. Can you imagine the horror that Adam and Eve felt as they walked away from the gate of the Garden of Eden, looking over their shoulders at the wonder, the beauty that they had experienced there. No pain, no death, no separation, no loneliness, no shame, and all that is gone. And they stare ahead of them at an unknown world filled with all kinds of things. They know nothing about sin and death and envy and murder and violence and, and all of that. None of that is is known to them, and that's what they're facing. They're leaving Eden behind and heading into a world of madness and sin, which they themselves have created. But God says, if you will trust in my son, Jesus Christ, I will tear open the gates of Eden. I will remove the angels. I want you to come boldly there before my throne. Come right in. Come back in to a place of forgiveness and grace and peace and of my presence. As I used to with Adam, I want you to walk with me and talk with me in the cool of the evening. The first Adam shut you out, God says. The second Adam, even my son Jesus, invites you back in. Eden is not closed to those who are covered in the blood of Jesus and not in fig leaves that they've sown themselves. Eden is not closed to those who confess their sins and believe for God's forgiveness and grace and trust in Jesus Christ to walk them through the gates and back in to the wonderful Garden of Eden. Well, I hope you're enjoying this brief series on the questions of God. We'll be continuing it next week, and I want you to join me. Uh, I want you to know the question next week. It's a provocative one. What is that in your hand? Until we meet next week and we consider what is that in your hand, this has been Mark Rutland with The Leader's Notebook. You've been listening to The Leader's Notebook with Dr. Mark Rutland. 
Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review today's podcast. You can follow Dr. Rutland on Twitter at Dr. Mark Rutland or visit his website, drmarkrutland.com. Join us next week for another episode of The Leader's Notebook. 